welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. This is episode 40, our wrap of round 10 of the 2020 NRL season. My name's Adam. Hey guys, my name's Jared. And we are the two hosts of Six Again. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Uh, basically, we're a couple of mates who talk about the NRL and rugby league. We do a preview and a review of every week. And this is our review of round 10. We go through all the games and everything going on outside. Um, off the field, sorry, in the world of NRL. And this week, we'll, we'll be covering some outspoken personalities of their game. Uh, A coach has been given an ultimatum and another coach is about to be announced on a three-year signing. Um, So we'll be getting to that. But I guess what we'll kick off off with is um, a couple of people have made some comments during the week that have gotten some traction. Uh, And I brought up Ricky Stewart's name and Jared's like, yeah, yeah, same old, same old. And it became apparent pretty quickly that we were talking about different topics. So Ricky Stewart has a lot of comments on every subject. He does. He, uh, (laughs) he speaks a lot. He talks a lot. Um, mostly people listen, usually the match review panel to see whether they can find him or not. But (laughs) what I'd heard was different to what Jared had heard. Uh, you want to cover your bit first, Jared, or is that a a non-news story? Cause it's, Oh, it's, it's the usual story for Cam, which it kind of annoys me because, look, I love when Ricky Stewart tees off. It's good watching, no matter how, where you are. It's, he's good. He's calmed down a lot because I feel like 10 grand every week's kind of putting, putting a hole in Canberra Raiders' pocket. But um, he, he has the attitude that he kind of reminds me of conspiracy theorists that the NRL and the wider NRL community have a vendetta against Canberra and this, that, and the other, which, look, they, they get treated not ideal, but, and I agree with some of the stuff he says, but he seems to, when he coaches, seems to like to coach where he puts it in the players' heads that their backs are const- constantly against the wall. Hey, that's like a manly everyone's, thing. Yeah. <laughs> You can't everyone, everyone's against them. And, no, but it's not everyone hates Canberra. It's everyone disregards Canberra. Which, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Yeah. And it's not it's not a not an attitude that you can keep up for a whole season. Yeah. I don't think. I think it'll, it's a very quick way to I don't know, burn people out. Especially did you, see, players, did you hear why he like, went off on that? Tangent was there something that, yeah. So they had a five day turnaround, yeah. Um, they came up against the Roosters who had a seven day turnaround or an eight day turnaround. Um, he wanted the hotel the night before, yeah. which they told him they had to catch the bus in and out that day, which is fair enough because Sydney's a fucking hotspot yeah. right now, yeah. Like, you coronavirus, um, and oh, I can't remember the last one, but there was another little gripe he had where. He, he he asked for a few few different things, and the NRL 
have said no due to the restrictions and he said that they're against him for it. He wanted, yeah, he, he, stuff like a hotel and stuff like that. He, he wanted, he didn't get, and that's why he said it. Okay. Well then that's, if that's the case, then Ricky's asking more than he should be at this point in time. Yeah. Um, but what I'd heard was what I saw him talk about was the, uh, he was worried about NRL rugby league in general, turning, turning into soccer with regards to a uh, diving culture. Yeah, diving culture. So the amount of players who are staying down in the play of the ball after a hit, the ref hasn't called a penalty, um, but the player knows that if a replay is shown, it's a high likelihood of them receiving a penalty so that they're staying down, um, slowing the game down, taking up time, waiting for um, a replay to be taken. And we see it sometimes where the player's standing up, like gesturing towards the referee. Why didn't you call that? The dummy half's going, dude, just play the frigging ball. We're ready to go. Um, now, Ricky was saying through the week, he's trying to, he doesn't agree with it, but the advantage outweighs the negative where he's trying to coach the players to stay down if you're hurt. Oh, if, if you're hit, sorry, not if you're hurt. Um, and players don't want to do it. But he said half, half the week's just arguing with the players about if you stay down, there's a high likelihood we'll get a penalty. So everyone else seems to be doing it. But the players are like, well, that's kind of not how we play the game. So it's something I've noticed for, I'd say, two, two years plus. No, but it's, just, it's been doing, they've been doing a lot longer than that. Long, long, but it's just so yeah. constant now. It's like... Yeah. Every little flick, especially around the head area, it's not always just head knocks, but every little little hit, there's enough penalties in the game. The attacking team already has enough advantage in our game. It's it's great. It, it's one of the things that annoys me more than anything because if freaking like most of these dudes are 100 kilos plus, you say me like a, a, a hit from one of the other guys is enough to stop you from getting up. All right. So, we, me and Adam had a bit like of chat about this. This is if you're not injured, is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, so Adam, Adam's got actually a pretty good um, pretty good solve to this, I believe. I, I really oh, liked yeah. it. Um, but, as I was saying to him before we started, this is all a byproduct of the HIA. So... Uh, Examples like what happened in America when people got sued for concussion, what's currently happened at Newcastle with James McManus. Mm. Um, there's, there's, there's a big focus on people getting hit in the head, which technically by the letter of the law, any tackle above the badge in juniors or above the shoulder, any contact to the head, if you want to go black and white, is a penalty. That's, that's, that's unfortunately... I know rugby league isn't black and white. It's grey everywhere, but black yeah. and white rules, any contact to the head is actually a penalty. So, because of that, the players are actually doing the right thing because the referees aren't, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's just a byproduct of the of the HIA rules, which I, I don't... I 100%... I disagree with it, but it's just what happened because of it. And it's, that's, that's just, it's ironic as well, like, 
Vlandy's has been uh, applauded for speeding their game up and bringing these things in. And um, this is just another way that they found to slow their game down. Yeah, well, we, we did say that. How are they going to manipulate these rules? Well, actually, I, I don't mean, think... Like, I think this has been going on for longer than the six again. Rules. Yeah, it's just, but it's just I think got more people are taking notice of it now yeah. because there's technically less stoppages. Yeah. Every time there is a stoppage, it's overanalyzed. Um, yeah. What I'd like to see for um, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, actually, how I'd implemented in soccer. But in ice hockey, you've got the embellishment rule, whereas when you get hit um, illegally, uh, so say you get hit in the head with a stick or um, you get pulled back on the arm or something like that, the other guy's going to get penalised for it. But if you embellish it and make it look worse than it is, so you get hit in the face, sometimes it's just a little tap on the face, on face shield with a stick, and you throw your head back like you're on home and away or something, you'll get two minutes in the bin as well for embellishing the penalty. Now, how I'd see this work in rugby league would be a player gets hit around the chops or something in the tackle, and the ref misses it. It would be just stand up, play the ball, but the player decides to stay down, knowing that if they stay down long enough, a replay is going to be shown. The ref's going to change his call based on what they see on the screen or the video ref's going to make him change the call. My first point of contention is if the refs missed it and never happened, they shouldn't be able to change their call based on what they see um, on a video screen because we're not playing the game 30 seconds behind time and in slow motion or whatever. Bunkers there for um, try scoring, well, point scoring plays, I believe, anyway. And you've got a captain's challenge now, so if you don't like the tackle, um, use your challenge. But that's a separate thing. If the player stays down, um, they get hit in their head. All right, their team gets the penalty. Trainer comes on, does a HIA test. Player doesn't have to go off because he's not concussed. So that player's been hit in their head, didn't get a penalty. So they've chosen to stay down, knowing that they'll get a penalty if they stay down long enough. Their team still gets the penalty, but that player gets five minutes in the bin for an embellishment call. So to what's Adam saying is... Injury. Yeah, so essentially what Adam's saying is that if you stay down, you go off. Yeah. Essentially, that's... that's... The penalty, so if it's an illegal tackle, you've been hit in the head, sweet. Um, Refs missed it. Play to the whistle. You get up, it's unlucky, but you're going to get a call for you later in the game anyway. Um, And pretty much what you're doing is, it's called gamesmanship. You're, You're bending the rules as much as you can to your advantage by knowing that the refs are going to wait a minute or so, look upstairs and give your team a penalty. But in order to do that, you've stayed down long enough, you've slowed the momentum of the game down to the point where it had to be stopped, you've disrupted the flow of the game, therefore you've embellished a hit, illegal or legal, um, and you should spend the time in the bin. All right, so, and this is only for high tackles? No. Okay, so... The only thing, we've mentioned the high tackles because we've got a test that... Um, yeah, see, because if you've got injury to any part, other part of your body, which you have to stay down for... What that, like, I, if you get smacked in the ribs and you've got yeah, broken ribs or whatever, it's illegal. It's, the shot's legal. Um, you're just in too much pain to get up or whatever. Yeah, what if you get winded? Yeah. Suck it up. Get up and play the ball. <laughs> Seriously. We, there's so many stoppages for freaking injuries like that. Like, dudes get cramped. 
and they hold the whole freaking game up. I don't agree with that. If you're on a defensive team, if you're the defending team and you get a cramp, that sucks. Your other 12 people have to work harder till you get back in the line. The ref shouldn't be stopping a freaking game just because the dude's got cramp. If you're the attacking team and you have cramp, you're allowed to put the ball down and someone else can play the ball as long as they don't gain yeah, it. Yeah, I, I agree time. with that. Just yeah. toughen the... I reckon it's a good idea. I, just, I, I, just, I agree. It's embarrassing to watch. You're a professional <laughs> athlete lying on the ground because you're not good enough to be able to gain the 10 metres that you'd gain off a penalty kick. We don't have enough halfbacks in the game that can kick further than 30 metres over a sideline anyway. <laughs> All right, NRL, you should send a message here, NRL, and get on top of that. I want you to best friends with coaches. If, you te- if your team gets a penalty 10 metres out from your own line, why are you kicking like 10 metres upfield? <laughs> If that's going to be the case, you may as well tap it and run. Just freaking, if you're not going to be trying to take like 40, 50, 60 metres, what's the point of having the penalty kick? Or back up, or or kicking it backwards. Oh, if union guys can kick 70 metres on the fly, league guys can kick at least 50. The ball's different, Adam. We've been through this a lot. That's why I dropped it back 20 metres. Like, okay. Like, oh yes, we got a penalty. Next topic, Adams. 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 Teen off too much. <laughs> Ryan Madison. So it's come out saying oh, that talking about teen off. This is so good. It's come out saying that when Ryan Madison left the West Tigers, one year into a three-year deal, which is a bitch move to say the least, um, he said, "You guys are never going to win a premiership. I'm out of here." Um, that was reported this week, conveniently leading up to his first time versing the West Tigers. Yeah, how long has that been on old mate's hard drive? Ooh. That article. Now, Look. Ryan Madison and the Parramatta Eels have come out today saying, well, saying he never said that. And the source with which they got this quote from is an anonymous um, source within the Tigers organisation. Oh, so, yeah, right. So it's a lot of shit. So it could be Jesus. like a janitor, it could be the ball kid, it could be the CEO. And they could, have, they could have t- taken it completely out of context. Yeah. And Even if you say anonymous source, you can't be held for... Um, defamation of character. Defamation or lying or anything like that. So we already know what's going to happen. NRL is a freaking dra- soap, soap opera. So... This will get run up again and again and again this week yeah. about how much Madison hates the Tigers and they'll run out in front of 2,000 fans and you hear, And I guarantee you, it's a Parramatta home Madison game. will be on the phone with half the Tigers team all week going, is this serious? Like they're, they're all probably best friends. Like Benji Marshall publicly said he doesn't give a shit what Madison did. Yeah, so, that's what he said today. He's just like, he made the decision to go there because it's better for him, good on him. Yeah. Laugh. Look, there's obviously probably some animosity. He did leave supposedly under bad circumstances, and yeah, if you've like got a, a player, no, no, but if you've got a player in your squad who's who's done that kind of thing, um, mm. you do get the shits of it. But these guys don't. These guys won't be reading too much into this bullshit. So. I like one thing he signed that three-year deal he lasted a year he said i don't like it i want to go somewhere else like fuck it. imagine if we could all do that in our jobs 
That'd be so cool. Oh. Anyway. Um, all right. So shifting clubs, shifting gears a little bit. Talking about, well, Marshall's team, the West Tigers, they belted the Broncos 48 nil to throw uh-huh. Jared's value bet out the window. Um, but the Broncos' response to this as a board, it's coming from the top, is they've given Anthony Seabold an ultimatum. Win five of the last 10 games or next 10 games of the season or you get fired. Um, I think I'm in the majority here. Well, majority of responses I've seen um, calling Broncos out for total bullshit. And <laughs> yeah, the first time everyone's in Seabold's corner. <laughs> oh, literally, like... Seabold, like... Oh. All right. I've got... Rin down right yeah. now. You go through the, got, you go through who they've got to beat. Okay, so what I've done is I've written the ten games down there and I've is it, ticked off who I believe they could win against. Ten ten games against the Bulldogs? <laughs> okay, so and while I was doing this, I was like, Oh for fuck's sake, like going through the next one, going, mm. Oh shit, oh shit. Adam was sitting there listening to me the whole time. Okay, so next week, everyone knows they got Melbourne. All right, so next one I put a question mark next to because this team fluctuates with good or bad. Cronulla. So, look, I don't think they'll beat them, but Cronulla can have a really bad... Like, you know what I mean? Like, it could yeah, go either yeah. way. But I'm leaning well, they just more did, like They just eight. had a 58-point turnaround or something. Yeah, so 80-20, like 80% Cronulla yeah. going to win. 20%. And then next game's exactly the same boat. South Sydney. Who the fuck knows right now? South once this year, so that'll yeah, be... Yeah, but like... That, and that'll be the grudge match, Bennett versus Seabold. Again. Okay, so right now, theoretically, they've won two out of three. That's like right. the best case scenario for them. Yeah, right all right. Then they play Canberra. <laughs> and then... I think this is a legitimate winning chance at playing the Dragons. Mm. Yeah, so that's and three we'd, out of... We'd be saying they'd have, say, five. at least Stags back, if not for Peter, yeah. maybe. Yeah, so that means they've, they've won three out of five. He's on a fucking roll. Mm-hmm. And he plays Roosters. Mm-hmm. Then he plays Penrith. Mm-hmm. Then he plays Gold Coast. So that's a, that's a legitimate win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Titans are on a three game win streak against them um, and then they play Para nope and then they play Cowboys so that's another Probably. one so okay so what I've got here I've got wins definite wins and this is the best case scenario yeah okay question marks Cronulla question mark Rabbits beat Dragons mm. beat Gold Coast Mm. And beat the Cowboys, and that's like one hundred percent. That's just scraping in on the skin of his teeth. So that's your five or ten. Yeah. So he will not beat Melbourne. He will beat. No, will not beat Canberra. Will will not beat Roosters. I never say definites or definite nots, but let's just say high likelihood they will not. Well, the reality of it is, like even the top ten. Oh, okay, maybe not the top teams, but the bottom. Four of the top eight, so four, five to eight. Yeah. If they won five of the last ten, that's pretty good. 
mm. for a lot of teams. This this guy's they're playing five of the top teams in the competition. Like, and then they're playing like, like yeah. But like, the this their tactics are bad. So yeah. on the weekend, I posted on the on our group chat that the try when they did the short drop cat drop out legitimately hurt my heart. That was just it made me cry. It was, I was so sad. Um, but the stupid thing was, they could have solved the entire problem by moving coats in one player. So what they did, they kicked the coats. Yeah. And, and he missed. He was on the wing. If yeah. he's jamming in on the wing, there's a 10-meter run there. And it's not like Lelou was quick. So all they had to do was bring coats in their best catcher and put Croft on the sideline to have someone there. Yeah. Why, why, would you, <laughs> just, why would you have your best catcher sitting on the wing? You know what that because, kind of might come down to? Like, they, this isn't just the Broncos. This is everybody. And this is one thing where Parramatta and the Roosters are, and Penrith, actually, I'd say, showing everyone up is they're so structured that players get to a point where they don't even think for themselves anymore. They could have a... Huh. 10 meter gap and still go through a block play where they don't need to because they're so structured in it when they should yeah. just run through the gap. But yeah, it's, it's a bit like, like Oates why... is the winger, so he stands on the wing. Yeah, but yeah, like Coates was. He's. Oh. And it it was just so bad. And like I, my father in law, he, he supports Broncos, right? I was talking to him today and I'm not even at the point where I'm giving them crap anymore. I just feel sad. Like, it's not even... It's like literally, pun intended, whipping a dead horse at this point. Because <laughs> it's, it's horrible. I feel... That is. Like, I, I, for years and years, I watched Broncos just dominate us. And, you know, we had our wins here and there and this, that, and the other. But, you know, and I've always copped it because, you know, Newcastle fan living on the Sunshine Coast, yada, yada, yada. Um, but... Like, this is my year where I should just be like, ha-ha, suck shit, you know, yeah. you guys suck, ha-ha-ha-ha. And I can't even do it because it sucks. It's not even <laughs> worth it. It's just, like, the efforts they're putting out, like, no one should have lost the Tigers that badly. It was just, oh. So I've, <sighs> um, look at a couple of things that I took issue with this. And, and one, um... Well, Cooper, I saw Cooper Cronk uh, make a comment on this, and it was 100% same, same place that I was coming from. We've talked about Broncos being one of the premier clubs. If your goal is to win 50% of the matches, yeah. Yeah. that's an issue. <laughs> but like, if we that's go 5 10 to finish the season, that's success. You're like, no, it's not, man. That's... <laughs> That's a C minus. Yeah, it is. It's a C minus in school. Like technically, yes, it's a pass, but that's a hell of a lot of people ahead of you. So <laughs> one, that's that's an issue. Two, even if they go five for ten, that puts them on sixteen points. Oh wait, can I just say one thing? Yeah. Anyone who's Adam's student right now is getting a C minus. You guys are doing great. Okay. <laughs> Doing great. You're also not a professional sport club just yet. (laughs) So, if Broncos Broncos win five of their 10, that puts them on 16 points. 
You've already got three teams, Penrith, Eels and Storm, who are on 17, 16 and 16. So for Broncos to even come eighth, eighth, they're going to have to rely on Roosters, Raiders, Tigers, Rabbits, Sharks, Seagulls, Dragons, um, all finishing with a something similar to or worse than a three and seven record. And that's mathematically impossible because they're going to be versing each other. Now, the only... They're on six points with Cowboys, Warriors and Titans. And they've got Cowboys and Warriors above them on points differential. So even if they do win their five out of ten and Anthony Sewell saves their job, they're not going to make finals anyway. Um, no, 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 no. I think they've given up on finals. They're just wanting a... Well, they're wanting that pass grade for the last 10 games. I reckon yeah, okay. they're thrown out, See, no offense, thrown out this season. If you're the Titans or the Warriors or the Cowboys or, or West Tigers or Knights or Seagulls, even Dragons in the last couple of years, um, okay, you come eighth, ninth, you've just missed the finals. Or you're pretty close, but it's not kind of the end of the world sort of thing. If you're coming ninth or missing the finals and you're a Melbourne or a Roosters or a Dra- or a Broncos or a Parramatta, they're mm. kind of like your four biggest supporter bases, biggest like just bigger or glamour clubs. If you're setting yourselves 50-50 benchmarks and you're missing the finals, you deserve to be scrutinised because... You're some of the biggest lights of the competition. Well, look, Roosters suffer a loss and everyone's on their back. Yeah, and that's what comes Um, with the territory. Yeah, so with Broncos doing what they're doing right now, they can't go, oh, get off our back, we're trying. If you're going to put that jersey on, that's what comes with it. Unfortunately, it's not like, you know... Well, you could say Newcastle, where it's kind of expected where you're going through a transitioning phase. Yeah, or, exactly. Like, um, you, you guys are, the, well, as Adam said, a glamour club. You guys should be up there all the time. And, like, use Seagulls as an example here. We were coming into this week against Parramatta. If we lost this one, that's three games in a row. Um, wait, it might have already been three. Knights, Dragon, Sharks. It was already three, sorry. This is going to four games in a row. But it wasn't, oh, what's happening with Manly? It's, oh, well, they are missing Turbo and Dylan Walker. And you, you bring, people bring up the injuries. Roosters lose a game. They're going, oh, have they, hit, uh, have they hit a brick wall? What's going on with Kiri? Rah, rah, rah. But there's no mention of Radley or Verrills or Tupo or injuries. It's, holy crap, they lost. What the hell's going on? It's a completely different point of view. Um, well, yeah, you lost well, looked at. Um, I don't, I, I, I know I kind of keep harping on Newcastle, but yeah, you um, they're up to that point there. They're, they're losing seven players, they lost they're seven mm-hmm. out of their top 17. They're injured. Like, I know on the weekend, two players came back, but over the last one, when, when, whenever we did lose, we weren't blaming it on that shit, like. 
that, that's that's not an excuse that a lot of clubs get to make. No, no, no. But I meant like the media and people talking about that. Yeah, no, yeah. So Newcastle are at, at that point, but they're not blaming it on thing. Broncos are always have to be at that point because they've got so much money to put players. It's such a good club to be at. They've got the technology, the training fields, and all that kind of stuff. So it's just. Ugh. And the other thing, like Seabold's only to me, yeah, his tactics haven't been the best. But the biggest issue he's, the biggest thing he's missed is not dropping names because well, of performing. But. Oh, oh. He didn't put this whole roster together. He's been there for, what's the second year? Is that no, his third year. His third year. Second year? 2018. Yeah, he signed, but last year was his first season. Oh, was it? Right, I'll look it up. Yeah, keep going. He's on the second year of a five-year deal. He didn't make the, he didn't make the call to bring him there for five years. The majority of this roster was in place. Yes, he's had a big hand in in moving people on, but that wasn't just a coach decision. There was other people involved in that. Um, I think I put a tweet out there saying that he's, oh, yeah. Second, yeah. he's, he's obviously going to be upset because it might make his coaching career take a bit of a dint. But if the Broncos sack him this season, he's getting a three-year payout on a contract. Yeah, he's going to take a fair bit of tax in one hit, but that's a shitload of cash in one go. Um, it's not like he's going to be hurting for money for the next little while. And that's going to... Well, I don't know if it's got like the details of how much he's on per year, but um, Broncos, they're going to have to find that. They, pro- they obviously probably can, but... Um, anyway, I think it's just a dog shot as much as the Bulldogs did with pay, um, Broncos, especially last week, they said, no, we're gonna, we've made the coaching decision. We're, we're sticking with him, blah, blah, blah. As soon as they say that, you know he's about to get um, mm-hmm. fired or a decision like this. So I know they just lost Corey Oates as well for a, at least a few weeks. Anyway, um, moving on. So this is outside of NRL, and I'm really excited to see where this story goes. Now, Hmm, hmm. Uh, we did give, this in the year. Yeah, I'm going to give um, kudos here to Adrian Prezenko, who's the lead rugby league writer for um, Sydney Morning Herald. Now, we spoke earlier in the year about a place, uh, a group called Oakwell um, Sports Advisory out of the UK, and they were one of the organizations able to give the NRL a loan if they need it through the COVID period. Now they didn't need that loan, but the contacts had already been made. Now the previous Melbourne storm chairman, Bart Campbell approached NRL a few months ago um, with regards to this partnership between private investors and the NRL. He since stepped aside as he picked up a job in New Zealand rugby. So Melbourne storm's new chairman, Matt Tripp, um, has been in contact again uh, with Oakwell Sports Advisory. Now, word on the street or in the papers now is they're looking at taking on a stake in the NRL. Not just a short-term stake, but a long-term stake. Um, depending on the size of the stake, anywhere between $500 million and a $1 billion that would be injected into the game. Now, 
This Oakwell Sports Advisory Group, some of the clientele that they have overseas, uh, Scottish Rugby, Manchester City, Sa Saracens Rugby, who are huge, HSBC. Um, oh, what's we looking here? Burnley Football Club, Major League Rugby, Gloucester, England Rugby, Leeds United, like West Ham United. These aren't small organisations that they've got a hand in. Basically, Trip as a Melbourne Storm chairman is kind of like a middleman at the moment, taking on the previous work between Rugby League Central and Oakwell Sports Advisory. And they've had a discussion this week. And they've made it quite clear, this isn't a cash grab. This is a third party investment in the game. Now, the role Oakwell would make, well, sorry, the role Oakwell would play is they're an advisory group to sporting organizations. So they advise them on uh, best steps and best actions going forward with regards to growth of the game. Now, earlier in the year, it was made quite clear and Vlandy said that the NRL has no assets, not one asset does the NRL own. They don't own, yeah. they don't own, they don't own Suncorp, they don't own ANZ Stadium, they don't own Brookvale or any of these stadiums. NRL does not own one asset. So that would be probably one of the first things this advisory group would be doing with this influx of money would be purchasing real estate that the NRL mm -hmm. can then hold as um, equity, collateral. collateral, whatever they need to. Now, this sort of partnership is being looked at by Super Rugby. It's been looked at by the Six Nations Rugby Comp um, in Europe. UK, Serie A, so the top Italian soccer leagues doing it. It's a big thing with American sports as well. So basically at this stage, NRL is like, why don't we have a look at it? There's no harm in looking mm -hmm. at it. Now, the money uh, talks that's being thrown around is Oakwell's initial evaluation, sorry, evaluation of the NRL is approximately $3 billion. So that's what they judge the NRL brand to be worth, meaning a 20% stake, so a fifth of a fifth of that would be 600 million. So that'd be the injected, injective cash. Um, both the NRL and Oakwell say 3 billion is the high side of valuations. So that's as high as it would be. So what happens from here? NRL and Oakwell are going to continue to have conversations, see what a partnership would look like, see what both sides would get out of it. Once they've got to that stage, they could then bring it to both the New South Wales Rugby League and Queensland Rugby League. It needs to be signed off by 12 of the 16 NRL clubs, as well as New South Wales and Queensland Rugby League and the ARL Commission for anything to go ahead. Oh, so, from an NRL's point of view, this would ensure long-term success that doesn't have an influence on broadcasting, so they've got nothing to do with the TV, um, unless they advise that it would be better going pay TV than free to air altogether. That sort of stuff would be the only input they'd have there, but they wouldn't be um, really negotiating with TV deals from what I've seen from their deals overseas. The other, th and from Oakwell's point of view, they consider NRL the most marketable of Australian sports. 
it's something that overseas sports can relate to, uh, relate to with regards to NFL, uh, ice hockey, rugby, et cetera, et cetera. And a big point they've said is the leadership that Peter Vlandis and Andrew Abdo have shown. That's a very professionally run organization and they'd be interested in having a hand in it. So if you want to jump on the Sydney Morning Herald website and have a look at that story, that is some really dramatic, exciting, could be game changing news for the NRL. Like, yeah, so world stage. I've been pretty, um, pretty vocal in the fact I don't like American import in rugby league because I don't think UK. they do. Okay. Okay. Well, that's where I'm wrong. I really like this idea. And my first thought would be um, the fact that um, it gets Channel 9 and Fox Sports out of dictating rugby league. Mm -hmm. Because right now, all the money coming into rugby league right now is coming from those two things. So with this happening, rugby league can go, no, you're not dictating how this is going anymore. We are. Because the reality of it, rugby league's run by Fox Sports and Channel 9. Like Peter Volandis does get a big say in what's happening, but a lot of his stuff is, yeah, it, it, he has to consult with them. Doing this, they don't have to. Mm-hmm. There's less control by the thing. It'd be interesting how they, the Channel 9 and everything, cop this because, like I said, it's going to take a hell of a lot out of their say in how everything's yeah. run. But, yeah, I, I, I like it. I reckon it could be good. Um, or it could turn into Super League all over again. It just depends how it all comes out, to be honest. Like, you've got to try these things to grow the game. Exactly. And that's what this is about. It's the, the growth of the game. This is different to the American yeah. Consortium Park Lane earlier in the year who were actually interested in yeah, okay. purchasing, um, like, purchasing clubs and running clubs from a private ownership standpoint. Now, yeah, okay. like, say your Premier League teams, if they've got private owners, the gate share at their stadium is 100% taken in by the club because they, they might yeah. build, like, a $300 million stadium um, and they generate $60 million or £60 million a year just on gate revenue. 100% of yeah. that stays with the owners of the club and they use that to pay off their uh, stadiums. Um if the NRL owned its own assets, like say the three stadiums that could be put in using that ANZ funding money or Brookvale and Penrith and um, that Southern stadium getting upgrades. If the NRL bought rights to those assets, um, this could be something that this Oakwell group could have a hand in, in assisting. So that's pretty exciting stuff going forward. And it'll be interesting that, um, it wasn't one of the big stories of the week. Um, it's more something I came across just researching it. So, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm super curious about it. Um, just got to hope it, yeah, how you got to just hope it works. It works out for the better in a rugby league. Yeah. That's what uh, you got to hope for. But, yeah. 
the, the thing that I, I feel slightly confident in is the fact that you don't hear much about this company, but the fact that they've got partnerships with so many successful organizations is yeah. that the organizations see the value in it, but Opal doesn't need to have their name out there and have their hands on everything going on, uh, yeah, which, is, right. which is good. All right. So let's talk about actually round 10. That's just happened. We are halfway now through the season officially, the regular season. Um, we're going to look at the eight games, signing judiciaries, uh, injuries, and then uh, Thursday's episode. So the preview for round 11, we're going to do our power rankings of what the top eight look like, whether that's how we believe the top eight kind of should look like, I guess, on form. Um, but we'll do these eight games first from round 10. But before we get there, I will do, say, judiciary and injuries from round 10. There's a couple of signing things, and then we'll dive into the games. So uh, did you want to take the lead on one of these, Jared, and I'll do the other? Um, I've got... you. You start on the um, judiciary and I'll get the injuries. All right, sounds good. So we got Dragons back rower Tariq Sims is facing a one-match suspension uh, after being hit with a dangerous contact charge. Uh, Row one charge for contact to head or neck of opponent, Kieran Foran. Um, he'll need to win his judiciary to be able to play next weekend due to loading points. He can't take an early guilty plea and avoid suspension. Uh, you and eight can, can avoid suspension for an early guilty plea. Uh, for this, he had the same. That was on Tariq Sims, but doesn't have the loading. Uh, if Aiken challenges and loses, he will miss one match. Isaac Luke is facing a one-match ban for a dangerous throw in Friday's loss to West Tigers. Because of a similar offence, he's facing a one-match ban, whether he enters a guilty plea or is found guilty. So they're the only two charges. So either way, Isaac Luke will be spending time on the sidelines, as will Tariq Sims if he can't get his overturned. You and Aitken will be free to play next week. Um, there has not been any updates that I'm aware of from the two matches on Sunday. Okay, so I've lost where all the injuries were on my thing. So you might have to do that again. All right. All right, injuries that we're aware of. Yeah, uh, I lost Okay, Penrith, Panthers fullback Dylan Edwards did not finish Sunday's game against North Queensland after what? Finish this sentence. 15 minutes or something, wasn't it? No. Why would, no, no, you got uh, Why would Dylan a hammy injury? Off? Of course. It, Another it one. was a hammy like injury. A, he's like Matt Moylan 2.0. <laughs> um, supposedly, this was a monitoring call based on a feeling of tightness. Uh, Dean Farah did not last long. He was also replaced early in the game in his com- comeback from a toe injury. Now, this was a, one that everyone was a bit, ooh, about. Uh, Corey Oates was taken to Sydney Hospital during the game with a suspected compound fraction of his femur. If you don't know, that's the hardest bone in your body to break. It's your diaphragm. Yeah. Um, but how's this for a sentence? In great news, he only has a hematoma and a, a deep gash in his leg. Um, <laughs> so it could be, he could be back within three weeks. 
Uh, he will be having surgery, though. Uh, Kieran Foran suffered a toe injury. Under the <laughs> scans. Extent of the damage. Uh, what's he saying here? Fears he may have suffered a recurrence of the injury that ended his 2018 series season due to ligament damage. Moses Suli was forced from the field with a sternum injury. Nothing new yet. Uh, he was gone and then came back to the field when Ruben Garrett was taken off with the HIA, but he's still being monitored. Angus Crichton suffered a knee injury. Uh, moderate grade MCL. He's already started rehab. Uh, Brett Morris been cleared of serious jaw injury and Nat Bush uh, should be back next week after missing with ribs. <gasps> Michael Oldfield suffered a hamstring injury two to three weeks. AJ Brimson's on track for an early return. August. Alex Twile, Robert Jennings could both be back next weekend for the Tigers. And little, little, little whispers. Dylan Walker and Tom Trebojevich may, may both be back earlier than expected. Uh, no time. And then Trebojevich will do his hammy again, but of whatever. Of course. <laughs> All right, so the first game of the round. Do you want to do signings? Uh, so what signings were there in the last week? So throwing out Ida NRLW, so Women's League. Oh. Um, as it stands right now, pretty much all the women are free agents. The biggest tug of war that's going on at the moment is Isabel Kelly between St. George and Roosters. That'll be interesting because whichever club she goes to, will she'll form a focal point in their back line. She's won the last two premierships with the Roosters. Sorry, last two seasons with the Roosters, but with the had the nines uh, with St. George. So... We'll try and keep us updated on that, but there is going to be a hell of a lot of signings in the NRLW world. And also, Nick Kotrick. Oh, some of the dogs. They finally got someone. Yes. So, we talked last week, Raiders had a five-year deal on the table uh, worth two and a half million, so 500 grand a year. Not bad money for a winger with two years in his option. Bulldogs offered him three years at 1.8 million, so 600 grand a year. He said, the key word was... Money. Keyword was winger. Winger, yeah. So, in the centers. Canberra saw him as a winger. Um, Bulldogs said you could play anywhere in your back line. Which is funny because centers actually get paid less than wingers, but anyway. Um, so, he's, got, he's chosen the Bulldogs because he went back to the Raiders saying, I'll stay if you give me the same money per year. They said, We don't believe you're worth that much considering you're going to be playing on the wing. Um, so we went to the Bulldogs. So they kind of, to me, that says he's chasing money more than premierships right now, or that he believes that Canberra will win this year and then he'll jump after he's won his premiership. Because don't see him winning the premiership with the Bulldogs anytime soon. Mm. Whereas Canberra are still very much in their premiership window. So I thought that was a bit of a. It's going to be interesting because he'll be their main man in the back line next year now. Yeah. No matter yeah. how it swings, he'll he'll be he'll be up front and the pressure will be on him now. And, and like yeah, I look at that going You had five years of guaranteed money. You've got three years of guaranteed money here, but if you're shocking over these three years and the Bulldogs are shocking over these three years, 
Like look at look at Milford coming into his next deal. He's oh, gonna yeah. be getting a he'll be he's gonna be getting a fraction of what he's on now. So he, he um he must either have a hell of a lot of faith in what the Bulldogs are uh, are putting forward or yeah, to me, it just seems well, like... Well, look, he can't a have a lot of faith in what Bulldogs are putting forward. Well, yes. They don't currently yeah. have a coach. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Barrett's going to be announced in the next two days. I'm guessing that was probably part of the, part of the negotiations. He would have known Yeah, that. but, like, uh, how many times has he met Barrett? Like, I don't know. He, uh, I just he, it's not it to be an odd decision of... Yeah, well, that um, I'm, I'm just jumping on that because, like... A lot of times when someone signs or someone, you hear the coach, you know, going to the house and meeting them and going, yeah. this is their plan. Well, Barrett can't do that. <laughs> yeah, he can't, he can't go advertising the Bulldogs' plan until he's announced. Like, This is my plan if I get selected as coach. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like, It looks like, like 99.999%. But I don't think that the Bulldogs were able to use Barrett as a bargaining yeah. chip to get him over. Like, I, just, I don't know. Unless he knows something else, or he's really banking on himself that he's going to get a deal worth this much again yeah. at the end of the next three positive, years. Luck to him. The positive side of it is, he, if he's really confident in his own ability, he could be that game breaker Bulldogs need. And then, yeah, then you can justify a bigger deal next yeah. time. But it's pretty look, yeah. that there's not many. <laughs> Elite players running around on teams that aren't doing well. That are real. Well, see, the, the, even the thing Tom Bolo's not looking super human lately. Still making two hundred per game, but um, yes. <laughs> no, but, you're not noticing it as much until you look at the stat sheets. Yeah, you, but you look at um, what was I going to say? All right, so a couple of weeks ago we touched on Paul Vaughan's chances of making New South Wales team. Now that Dragons are going to go bad. So, Nick Kotrick's, if Fergo or who's the other winger, at a car, don't do well, he looks like the next cab off the rank to play yeah. on the wing for New South Wales at least. And then, yeah, you, know, you look at Australia, he's in the frame, currently playing for Canberra. So, but earlier this year, we talked about the fact that Paul Vaughan is probably not one of the best props in New South Wales right now because he's playing in a not so uh, struggling team. Yeah. So, is Nick Kotrick backing himself to do so well that he is going to get picked in a team that looks like it's going to be bottom three mm. at least next year? Probably not the year after if they get a few new signs, but at least next year still bottom three of the roster they have. You look at so Will Hawaii, people forget yeah. he played Origin. Well, there's not many players who do it. Like, Dave Clemmer did it when he was at Bulldogs. He still got picked every year for New South Wales and Australia and this, that and the other. Um, I'm guessing Payne Hearts will. A prop, props, I reckon you can because your role doesn't change that much. You don't well, Dan Gagai did for South Sydney. He still got picked. Mm. Um, mm. There's not many others, anyway, who, yeah. who, who are in the, bo- like, in the bottom couple of teams yeah. that will get picked from New South Wales. So just keep going. I'll have a quick look at the bottom three teams and see if there's anyone else who might. Crack New South Wales or Queensland. Okay, so Broncos only paying half off a feeder if he comes back. All right. Um, yeah. Um, Canberra, Dylan Napa, and Gold Coast. I don't see any. 
maybe Jai Arrow. Yeah, Jai Arrow will. But they're, they're based on past origin performances. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're, he's banking on a lot because uh, he was on the verge of an origin call-up and Australian call-up, origin call-up, and um, he's, he's really relying on his ability here to go into that team and make something. All right. So it's, it's interesting to say the least. Oh, bloody... Jared Croker, I tell you what. Anyway, mm. game one, Thursday night. Grand so, rematch. People were yeah. they were trying to talk it up through the week. Um, but I think behind closed doors, most people didn't really give the Raiders a chance the way that they've been playing, the way Roos has been playing. But tell you what. Yeah, no, they got over first. And then after that. You know, with the Morris brothers scoring, no, just Brett scoring, yeah, Brett got and then how, how good he looked, and then I went to bed at halftime during this because I thought it was over and done with. I thought they couldn't come back. Um, I love Ricky Stewart's quote in the um, in the press conference. Yeah. So um, someone hit Papali hard, and he goes, "That's when I knew they're going to win because they poked the bear." <laughs> They worked in there. And he scored the try, last try to win the game for him. The, the the thing I'm most impressed about, so they won by four points. Um, it's not like um, Canberra scored in the 79th minute. Mm. It's called the 65th. Yeah. So they held out roosters for that probably, what, last 12 minutes. Mm. That's not something to be throwing around too quickly about. That's a good effort for that 12 minutes because they are the Roosters and they are known for finishing strong when they're behind. So, good on them. Good on them. Yeah, yeah. They had their backs against the wall and they came away with a win. Um, like I said, they, they, they controlled the possession. They controlled um, the completion rates as well, 85 to 66%. Yeah, um, that's rare. That's really low for the Roosters. Uh I'm just having a look through. Average set distance still went Roos's way. Uh, kicking meters was were doubled, uh, which is huge, huge difference there. Um, missed tackles very much even. Only 50 extra tackles um, towards the Roosters. But this is a big one, like double the amount of errors, 14 errors to seven um, with regards to Roosters over Raiders. And... Roosters didn't even end up using all their interchange either. But this is just a dogged, um, determined performance by Canberra. And something like this happened last year with Hodgson being injured. People, including ourselves, wrote him off pretty much straight away. Yeah. And um, they still played quite well. Uh, no, sorry, not last year, the year before. Um, they still played quite well, uh, knocking off a few few scouts. Tom Starling did well. Mm-hmm. That young, that young, um, young fellow came on the bench for off the bench for Havili. From what I saw from the highlights, he's quick. He they, they reckon he's Damien Cook mould. Um, his defence was great. Uh, he put a few players on their backs. He he was he done really well. He's built like a brick shit house, even though he's four foot two. Yeah, boy. <sighs> yeah, yeah. No, nah, he's built. Uh, yeah, I, I I like that. He he looks like a genuine hooker. I know what Billy would say about George Williams. I loved him. T- attacking the uh, long step, step straight yeah. through. 
run over the top. Oh, man. I'm not 100% convinced on him, but he did play a good game. He did. And he's, he's played his good games against big teams, I think. Yeah. Uh, Brett Morris, another double. Like, Jesus, slow down, mate. Um, but, yeah, Raiders still showing they got what it takes. Uh, Roosters weren't the their best, but sometimes they sometimes a team cannot be their best, but sometimes it's because the opposition's um, forced them to play a certain way. So kudos to the uh, Raiders there getting the win over the Roosters. Um, complete opposite game to kick off huh. Friday night. This is up at Sunshine Coast Stadium. This is our local Which stadium. It, it looked, looked amazing. amazing. The grass looks like carpet. We're hoping to get along um, to the Newcastle Storm match for round 11. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, we'll bring you updates on that. So this was Melbourne Storm's feeder clubs, the Suntown Coast Falcons. Um, so this is a kind of home away from home. They do do trainings and stuff through here um, during preseason usually. And they made it look like it was a home game. They just ran riot over a... Yeah, I, there's not much to say for Titans in this game. They um, unfortunately didn't look good. <laughs> No, they were just, and Melbourne, Melbourne were incredible. Tino, Fasson, and Middley looked great. Um, Brandon Smith with eight on his back looked great. Um, yeah, you were questioning the, pack. the selection here and, and what they were going to do. And um, their, their four pack just it was just a domination in the middle. That's all it was. Like it was just, oh, it was bad. Um, and then their back line is when they, when they, because Melbourne have a very interchangeable back line with a few positions. Yeah. They just ran rough shot over them. Like that. And, and um, a, a weird stat that jumped out was in the domination like this, you'd be expecting someone to run for a, a whole bunch of meters at some point. Um, Nelson, Asafa Solomon came off the bench, played 40 minutes and topped the meters for the entire game. With 157. Hmm. Uh, well, that's the thing. They didn't get it. They, yeah. like, they still ran through the middle of them, but it was more, you know, find your front, get up quick, play the ball. It yeah. was rolling on like that. That's more what it, it wasn't, you know, running through mass amounts of breaks. It was just clinical football. And we didn't mention Melbourne. the score. It was 42 to 6. Yeah. Uh, it was just, one of those. All right, seven tries. Cam Smith, six out of seven conversions and a penalty goal. Uh, Smith had a bloody blinder. Um, what did he score? 14 points, yeah, for the seven kicks. Uh, Storm, the last... They're, they're, they're kind of starting to roll, aren't they? Their last few... Uh, their last few games have been picking up wins over. Uh, the Roosters is probably the one that we started to, like, pick like put our heads up, then they beat the Raiders down in Canberra. Um, and then they belted one of the teams they should have. So they've beaten the two of their other top two teams, all beaten tight games where they ground them out and then they had the chance to put a team to the sword and they did so. Yeah. All right, second Friday night game. Ooh, We've already that. talked about it. <laughs> is it just me or is there any more beltings this year than any other season? Yeah, but... <laughs> That's not for a particular reason, though. Like, no, this guy, like, this, just, yeah. just with regards to the amount of beltings that we've seen. Like, yeah, there's more beltings this year, I think. 
uh, I reckon. But there's been a few comebacks recently too, and that's what we'll talk about on Saturday night. There's two pretty good comebacks on Saturday night. And far out, like, there was no comeback in this game. Um, We've already touched on a lot. Um, Adam can read you the stats, but you can all pretty well guess what they're going to be. It was just... I got, like... Broncos aren't one of my favourite teams, but I, I, I couldn't even watch this. It was just... To me, it's no fun. It was twenty six nil at half time, like, and, yeah. and they won the second half twenty two nil. Yeah, it was just like you know, that, like we touched on, they both Le Lewis tries. Like well, the first one where he ran both off. second rowers scored doubles. Yeah, Luke Garner. That, that's right at scoring back rower. That's right at Milford and Croft, um, and that's directly in the oh. face of Oates. Directly like, in the yeah, face Le Lewis of Oates first try. Yeah. Far out. Like, what was the commentator saying? Or Richie Ken- Richie Kenner was trying to decide whether to go go out or stay yeah. in. Yeah. He doesn't have to do either. He stays on his man, Brody Croft. If it you mark up from the outside, winger gets winger, center gets center, five eight gets second row, whatever. You practice your tackling. Yeah. Croft just stood there like he had fucking cement on his feet and didn't even move. Yeah, um, and oh, but there's not the, much more the, we can say. The stats don't even help the Broncos because the possession was 52-48. Um, the completion rate was 88% to 80. Um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good completion rate. Yeah, uh, but you look at this. Possession was 4% different. Three minutes of possession difference. Run meters, 1,958. To one thousand one hundred. <laughs> it's pretty much an eight hundred. Well, if you round both of them up, it's an eight hundred meter difference, considering they had, yeah. um, well, they had fourteen, seven line breaks to one, thirty tackle breaks to nineteen, kick return. Another thing is, is two hundred seventy-seven to seventy-six. Another another thing that annoys me about the Broncos is is they don't use pain half as half as well as they should. Like, we did talk about the 80 minutes thing. That's been solved. He's taken him off for like 15 minutes a game. Mm. Great. But what annoys me the most is he's so agile, he's so quick, and he's so damaging. They're using him for dead plays. Yeah. Like, positional plays. Like, that's where you use Flegler. That's where you use Carrigan. That's where you use bloody... Um, is there a front row? Kennedy? I can't remember. Lodge? I can't even remember. Can't remember, but that's where you use the guys who are the media media readers. That's where you use those guys. For someone like Haas, he should be running the tight line. Oh, Pangai, Pangai is the same as Haas. They, they're the ones who should be running the tight lines, the uh, the flat balls off the hooker because they're so big and agile and they got the hands to do it. But if they just yeah. keep like popping off, oh, can you make us meters here? Oh, it's the same. Um, Cowboys had the same problem with Tom Lowell in 2014. And then in 2015, when they won the grand final, Paul Green went, fuck it, give him the ball in the third tackle when he's run the, the behind run of a block ball. Yeah. And he started scoring tries, and magically they started winning games. 
that's the level pain Haas can be. But they're like, oh, you know. And it's just so frustrating because he can be so... And I understand he's fit enough to do it. But despite someone being fit, that doesn't mean they should be using them to do these plays. No, 100% agree. Like, oh, it's so frustrating. Because look at that. The kick return meters were 77 meters. It's yeah. like that's how little the Tigers had to kick the ball because they just kept scoring. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, one of my favorite tweets that I saw over the weekend, what NRL club allows the Bulldogs to score 22 unanswered points? <laughs> I still lost, but yeah, they let the Bulldogs score 20. So Dragons got, uh, Dragons squared the ledger after the Bulldogs beat them earlier the year. Um, no, so Dragons won 28-22. So they scored uh, three tries in the last 15 minutes um, to nab this one. So, sorry, at halftime, the Bulldogs were up 20-10, to 10, but they were also down 10-0 uh, to start the game with Matt Dufty and Ewan Aitken scoring tries within the first seven minutes. Bulldogs went on to score 22 unanswered points. Um, Kieran Foran went off for what was a HIA past that, but didn't return for the rest of the game because it was now coming out of a foot injury. Um, and then uh, Dragons kind of just turned it on and the Bulldogs just imploded because losing's a habit just as much as winning is. You and Aitken look quite good again. Uh, Dufty looked good again and Lomax, um, Man, he looks confident. Every time he steps up to that yeah. kicking tee, he's just slotting them from everywhere. Uh, that's what, four four wins in a row now for the Dragons, if I'm not mistaken. And that means that McGregor's going to get signed for another five years. Yeah, it could be. So, uh, what's his name? Um, Gregorialis? How do you say it? George Arles. George Arles. Sorry, I wasn't even close. Um <laughs> that was his first taste going, what, what the hell's going on? You could just see his face as the Bulldogs imploded. Yeah. Uh, R- Raymond Fatala Mariner, he's uh, playing with a bit of fire. He's, he's running hard. He's hitting lines. So he's running his lines, hitting holes. Jason Saab under the high ball is just a weapon. Uh, and Dragons kind of look like they're having fun again. Yeah. There's a lot of smiles Which... from the players. There was some high fives. Even a post try celebration. Well, that's what a win's going to do for him. Like, that's the reality of it. Um, yeah, Bulldogs. I I think you not um, touched on it. You were right when you said having uh, losing is just as much of a habit as winning. They just didn't know how to close this out. They've done all the work they needed to do, and then it's like, see ya, here you go, guys, have it. Yeah, they thought so the game was fun. It wasn't even close. Yeah, um, that's unfortunate for them. They're just um, once they get that habit, they'll be fine. But it's just one of those games where they could have come away. They they should have won. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. it wasn't dragon. It wasn't four wins in a row. Sorry, uh, for the dragons, it was four out of their last six. Is what I saw. That's all right. their yeah, their losses were against the Raiders and the Roosters. They've beaten Manly, Bulldogs, um, Titans, and Sharks. 
All right. Um, so that brings us on to the second game of Saturday. Uh, so that was the first comeback game of the day. Dragons coming back to snatch that one. And then Rabbitohs almost did the same thing uh, to the Knights, who built themselves quite a handy lead. Um, Jared's boy, Kurt Mann, got across for another try. Uh, what were they up? 14, 18, 14, they were up? Yeah, 20 to 6 or something, they were up. Yeah. Well, they... Yeah. What? Rabbitohs right. didn't score their first try to the 65th minute, and Knights had already yeah. scored four. Yeah. Um, firstly, I'd like to say that I'm loving Adam O'Brien's reactions in the games. I don't know if you got to see it, but he is literally turning into a Bellamy clone, and it's fucking fantastic. He's blowing up hardcore in the chat in the um, coaches' watch, which is absolutely I'm all over that shit. It's great. Um, Mitch Barnett had a great game; like he made a difference. Put a Put a few hits on, which was great. First one back from um, injury, yeah? Yeah. Came off the bench. Um, okay, so you mentioned Kurt Mann. Um, <laughs> you got to say it. No, no. I, oh, no. Okay, so here's what I'm saying about Kurt Mann. He played well. He, he, no, yeah, he did. He passed the fucking football. So the first try, he passed to Bradman Best. Bradman Bass took in the winger, flicked it out to Heimel Hunt. Try. The second Tuala. try. What? An Ari Tuala. No, Second try, he passed to Bradman Best on an unders play. Bradman Best made a half break, which put South Sydney on the back foot. And then Mitchell Pierce put Kurt Mann in the gap. Great support Six. play. See, see, see the um, see the process that I've been criticising for that happened twice in the first ten minutes that he's been doing. Yeah, Kurt Man put himself in a good position to help his. No, team. no, 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 no. He passed the football. Ah. He passed the football, ah. and then funnily enough, while Kurt's man's passing the football around instead of running it. Funnily enough, it gave Kalen Ponga enough room to actually move. And Ponga like, ran and didn't pass. That's, he, he's a fullback. I know. That's, it, that's, that's his job. Stop. As that's a 5'8". He's got to stop passing. But he only has to pass because Kurt Mann isn't. Uh, whatever, you won. No, only just. Like they, they scored two, they got the ball over two times, so they got disallowed. Yeah, we got why did that bird just try and not get allowed? Uh, they said he knocked it on, which I thought was funny because they're going to say he's knocked it on over the line, but we only had a scrum 10 metres out. So I don't really know what was going on there. But um, yeah. Yeah, we I won. That is a, a um, gay guy had an absolute cracker, which is great. Um, and so every time Newcastle play, I watch uh, the opposing press conferences. So Adam O'Brien usually does a seven to ten minute press conference. Yeah. Wayne Bennett, a minute fifty. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good for Bennett. But yeah, um, this was one of the most even games I've seen all year with regards to the stats, except for Kitty. Yeah, so yeah, Newcastle just. 
Um, they they got where they needed to get to win the game. They just like thought they won it at the 60th minute mark. I reckon that, that's. Yeah. I think that's what happened. They just kind of. We've already done this. We'll we'll call it a day. Well, Newcastle so, like they just continue their up and down season. They're winning some games, yeah. making them look like they they're one of your contenders, but. Then they have a week where they're just pretenders, and you're like, "Oh, geez." I yeah, so you can't be really sure. You, you're always like, I always talk to my partner before the game. She asks me if I'm nervous. I'm always nervous before a game because I know we have the ability to win. But it's like, why aren't you? Kind of thing. Yeah. And so that's what I. That's how I felt for the first 60th minute. Okay, we're going to win. And then at the 75th minute, I went, "Why aren't you winning?" Kind of thing. Like, oh shit kind of like it's I don't think anyone's 100% sold on Newcastle for that reason no no it's they're a hell of a lot further ahead than they were two years ago but it still shows how far they've still got to go that's yeah that's right freaking hard um yeah so the last game on Saturday was the second game of the season between the Seagulls and Parramatta remembering the first game of this season uh Parramatta won um, based on a that pass call against Manly in the last play of the game. Um, there was almost another moment like that in this game. Manly took it to him straight away. Parramatta were off, but Manly also didn't literally let them get into the game at all, really, in the first half, except for Michael Jennings' try. It was 22-4. to four. Uh, to Manly at the break, it ended up being 22 to 18. So Manly didn't score in the second half. And Parramatta mounted the third comeback of the day, uh, but fell short, as did um, South in the second game. Uh, as a Manly fan, I really loved uh, Cherry Evans' comments after the game. Uh, He's so professional with everything he does when he yeah. talks, isn't he? It's, he's, it's he's such a good leader of the team. Yeah. He's such a good leader of the club. Um, he, he's a media dude. He, the thing that I really appreciate the most was he's now 31 saying that um, last week against the Dragons was one of the worst games of his career, um, playing-wise, statistic-wise, results-wise. And he said... You'd hope by this stage of your career, sorry, you'd think by this stage of your career, you pass games like that. But this sport has a way of showcasing that no player can play nine out of 10 every week. And he said that was a learning experience for himself in that without Trebojevic and Walker there, he took on too much. Yeah. And that's something I said just watching it. And he said, yeah, I took on too much. He was trying too week hard. Yeah. Was, yeah, it was trying to, to trying to hard, trying to do too much for the team and had a negative impact. So whereas this time this week it was more about just doing what I had to do. And it did. Like he scored a try, set up a try, his kick meters were freaking off the charts. Um he, he kept people <laughs> ahead. Like Parramatta had fifty seven percent possession. So in the second half, Manly lost 14 nil but it could have been a hell of a lot more like run meters 2200 to Parramatta 1400 to Manly so it's 800 extra meters to para but 
mainly kept showing off in defense. Um, it was mainly his highest halftime score of the season, which is scary. At 22, there you go. Kicking meat is 814. I'm pretty sure Cherry got the majority of that. Uh, let's have a look through here. What else? So the big, I guess, talking point of this game was the Wunga Blake try, non-try. Martin Tapao was hitting the ball up. There were three people in the tackle. And the video ref deemed that he was trying to offload the ball um, because it was away from his body. As a, I, I didn't think he was trying to offload the ball. I could see how they came to that because the ball was away from his body. But there wasn't a manly player anywhere near them for an offload. And he never actually made that backwards motion looking like he was trying to offload the ball. So I had a look online what the reaction was from neutral supporters. And Warren Smith tried to justify the call or whatever. Uh, he got absolutely slammed by people. And mo most were in the account. Was, that wasn't a strip. It, it, sorry, it was a strip. It wasn't a try. I don't know. Did you see it, Jared? Yeah, I don't think it was a strip. Yeah, right? It is. Nah. Oh, no, sorry. I do think it was a strip. Yeah, sorry. that's what I mean. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It was three, no, three uh, and one. Um, it was, it was, to me, it was clear as day. We, I, I don't think your offload. Um, the thing about Tapao is he's always looking for an offload. And the fact that there was no one around wouldn't mean that Tapao isn't looking for an offload. Um, the justification there was that he wouldn't have passed it if no one was there. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, but he did have his hands out. I thought he was looking for that offload. He just wasn't going to do it. That still doesn't give the defender right to put their arm yeah, in. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. If he if he hit That's his arm, that's what Warren Smith's argument was. When if he's trying to offload the ball, the defender can do anything necessary to prevent that. No, that's they, they can, they but they're not allowed the to take ball. the ball off. Yeah, they're allowed to hold their hands on the ball, yeah. wrap it up, and not take it off him. So it was a shit call. Fuck, it would have been they a lot were doing worse the if, comeback if they'd won, was, and that was one of the tries. Holy shit! Yeah, it would have blown up. Oh, but you man, won. So. I mean, yeah, we, so Manly needed that one, halted a bit of a skid. They're still outside the top eight. Um, and that last Parramatta try that Manly led in the last play of the game allowed them to hold on to top position over the storm on four and Until this afternoon. That was all null and void this, this afternoon's game. Um, um, sorry, you go. Yeah. It, we, we, um, it'd be interesting how um, Parramatta react to this. So, I didn't think they played too well against Newcastle, but they still got the win. And then, reality is they got dominated in the first half, and then they came back in the second half. There, but there was some very shit efforts in that game. So, Dowie Cherry Evans um, comes to mind. That was a uh, Sean Lane and Jai Field. Um, that was horrible, the try. They didn't even touch him two metres. Oh, out yeah, no, that was. I thought you were saying Cherry Evans had a bad game. No, 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 no. Just the effort between the two when he yeah, scored yeah, a try. No. Um, yeah. That was horrible. Um, so Parramatta have 
deserve to be at the top where they are, the way they're played. I think they're second now, but they deserve to be up there. Um, this is their biggest hurdle all year. And it just comes down to, it's not the players, it's yeah. how Brad Arthur refocuses them then to get to that point where they were a month ago. And they've got a, oh no, they've got a Friday. And they've got a big game, like West Tigers on Thursday night to open the round. Yeah. And Tigers so, come a 48-0 win. Yeah, so it just comes down to how Brad Arthur can go, look, guys, you lost. Get over it. And what he does to get his players to the point where they were, you know, for the rest of the season. And I think they slid, you know, last week and they lost this week. And if he doesn't get on top of it quickly and get them properly ready for the rest of the season, they could do a... I'm not saying they will, but they could do a Parramatta Revolt and kind of just fade out a little bit like they have done. No, I'm not saying they will. I, I think there's a low chance of happening. Yeah. But I just think this is a massive turning point in their season. And it'd be real Because, you know, Roosters lost in the weekend. We have no doubt they're going to come back next week and go, fuck you, we're still the yeah. Roosters. That question mark's still on the Parramatta, how they're going to react oh, yeah, to I see what you're that. Saying. So that, that's, that's, I'm not being critical of them. I'm just saying it'd be interesting how they can go back from that. Also, um, teams this year that are good enough to beat them even when they're not playing well. Yeah. That's right. It's, it's, right. But I know but, there's one thing. I, I just want to do a big shout out to a funny thing that happened. Uh, when Brad ta- when Brad Parker tackled Sevo. Oh, yeah. Did you see the tweets after that? I didn't mean half. Yeah, so everyone was trying to get Brad Parker to give Tedesco a call to tell him how to do that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, <laughs> Just to, Tedesco, give him a call and ask him tips. Oh, man. Brad Parker, he doesn't have a... A lot going for him athletically, but shit, he can cut. Shit, he, he oh. can cut tackle, man. Do you know what the cool thing about it was? I don't think he realised what he did. Because no. he kind of got up and he kind of just stood there and he's like looking around going, was that me? And yeah. then Cherry Evans like ripping into it, like yelling into his ear, telling him like, to go off going, oh. Yeah. And yeah. Brad Parker was just like nonchalant about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eva... Did that actually happen to me, or I I, I I tackle big black dudes like that all the time? Yeah. That's nothing. You know what I mean? Like he yeah, kind of got oh, up yeah. very relaxed about it, where a lot of players would have got up and went, "Holy shit!" I just yeah, you know what I mean? Like that yeah, was a it huge was awesome. moment in the game too, because that was very I think much. It was three minutes the, to go or something. Yeah, very much in the Parramatta when they had the control of the game. Um, yeah. yeah, that was sick. Uh, going into Sunday's games. Uh, Todd Payton, interim coach for the uh, Warriors, said this was their worst performance of the year. And, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Sharks run away 46-10. to 10, uh, Victors here over the Warriors. Remembering I'd almost tipped the Warriors, so I talked myself out of it by saying Sharks scored 24 points last week and lost. I'd say that it scored at least that against the Warriors. It was 24-4 at halftime, so there's your 24 points. Braden having ULA, if a prop scoring that easily as the first try of the game, you're worried. Will Kennedy comes back into the team at fullback, uh, scores a try. Katoa picking up a double. Ramian picking up a double. Sean Johnson, one, two, seven conversions and a try. Oh, man, it was... 
Warriors scored a consolation in the 79th minute. Mamalo scored one at 20. We were talking about whether the Warriors would be... All right, let's just rip in. We've got two weeks left before our players leave. Mamalo I said one. they wouldn't. Yeah, and they didn't. It, it was one-way traffic, start to finish. One of those weird yeah. games. Completion rates were poor for both teams. Warriors actually had more possession. Only 300 metres in run difference, but we're having a look. Warriors had more tackle breaks, 40 to 37. I'm trying to find the uh, missed tackles. Oh, it's not too bad. Oh, jeez. It's not good for either team. Um, okay, so... 7 to 40. Um, this is the complete opposite of Broncos losing. So Broncos have no excuses. Warriors have every excuse under the sun. And next week and the week after is probably going to be worse. Um... Cronulla probably just got them on there on a pretty good week this week. Yeah. Um, there might be a game or two for the rest of the season. Warriors come out and play like we know they can. But <laughs> so me and Adam talk about rugby league a lot for the last couple of years. And every time there's a new coaching position come up, oh, yeah. Adam's, Adam's like, Walker Brothers, Walker Brothers, Walker Brothers. And then, so I saw these headlines. So, for everyone who doesn't understand, the Walker Brothers coached Ipswich for the last ten years. I think they were made. They won the grand final once in ten years. Hell of a strike rate. Yeah. They're not coaching at the moment. They're doing real estate. Yeah. But okay, so they've got a very unique way of playing the football, playing rugby league. It's completely different than what. Let's just say everything the Roosters do, throw it out the window, and then throw it out of a moving train. This is the way they play. They kick on the first tackle. They keep the ball alive constantly. This is just how the Ipswich Jets played. Um, Adam loves that style of football. He's been loving it ever since we watched them win the, um, against Newcastle in the what I call the Super Bowl interstate State challenge. State grand final. Yeah, where they won. Um, so he's been gunning for this. So I saw the headlines here. I messaged Adam. I'm pretty sure Adam's jizz came through my phone. He was that excited. So, <laughs> um, so it was rumoured that they've already signed a one-year contract. <sighs> that has been denied <laughs> by the... Um, <laughs> that has been denied by the Warriors. But I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. It would be so good. <laughs> See? There he goes. I jumped on one. Uh, actually, my favourite tweet of the weekend was this one where it was swirling around on Twitter and um, someone said, oh, there's no point. Their uh, attacking style's not going to work in the NRL. And someone hit back. Yeah, because the Bulldogs' defensive efforts have been great for the last three years. <laughs> Sorry, the Bulldogs' defensive style has been great for the last three years. It, it, it'd be fun to watch. It's not going to get them a grand final. Why not? I don't think in the NRL they won't they won't break down the Roosters attack like this. Uh, it, I will admit the way uh, okay. So if anyone's never seen Ipswich Jets play, just type it into YouTube and you'll just sit like, there and go. And anyone who's learning rugby league, do not type it into YouTube. They do like <laughs> it is horrible. Kick, they, they were doing short kickoffs, 
on the first kick of the semi-final. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they, they do a short um, a short dropout just literally for the hell of it. Like, yeah, they, 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 on kick the on the, they kick on the second tackle. They keep the ball alive no matter what. Their error rate is astronomical because they just throw the ball everywhere. Yeah. Like, gridiron passes across the field. It's just... Ever seen the longest yard? Oh, yeah. Play like, schoolyard bullshit? Yes. Um, that's, that's what it is. The part I don't like, and again, the, Roosters, uh, the, the Warriors have denied they've signed the Walker brothers for as coach. Mm. Part I don't like is the fact that, and you can't believe all the rumours you hear, but the rumours say it's only for a year. Mm. You can't sign a coach for a year. It's minimum minimum three-year contracts for a coach. If you're going to sign a new coach, you're going to invest three years into them because by the third year, that's their team. Mm. So, yeah, you got to... Uh, I Broncos. hope it's not one year. Sorry? They yeah, signed Broncos. five years. Um, they, yeah, they look, you, three. I hope it's not one year because I don't think that's going to properly show, especially the Warriors right now, it's yeah. properly show what they can Anything. do. But I guarantee you, if the Walkers, Walker Brothers um, do get signed, a lot of people are going to start supporting the Warriors. Oh, hell Just yeah. because their brand of football will be, like, just awesome. ridiculous. And, the, all right, last game of the round. Uh, Cowboys, they, they, they were valiant. They, you'd see how far off they are because they didn't have the killer instinct when the game was on the line. In the second half, they were down 16-10 with about 20 minutes to go. And they had chances to win the game, but they they didn't keep the ball. They didn't they didn't hold possession of the ball enough. They weren't uh, in control of the game. Like, a team that was 16-10 down. And Penrith were a little bit off. Um, and Cowboys' defense was really good. That's what kept them in it. But they just couldn't get across the line and Penrith finished stronger. They looked the better team at the end of the game. Um, that's why they deserve their top position on the ladder. Stephen Crichton getting through again um, due to the work done inside him by Tyrone May, who's been used as a utility forward at the moment. But probably my favourite individual try of the season, Hammerso, or the Hammer as they call him, Fidau by the Cowboys, his individual effort from about 40 metres out. Step, step, palm, palm, through a gap, palm. All over. And use his speed. And it was, it was great to watch. And Dijan Assi um, ended up getting that starting role at 5'8". Mitch Dunn went back to the bench. And he looked good, man. Like, this young fella, he's got some touch. He's got some finesse, uh, especially the short kicking game. He can boot the hell out of the ball. Um I reckon the Cowboys have got something here. It's not like a... He didn't look like one of those flash-in-the-pan sort of kids. He was pretty level-headed. He was pissed mm. off at his teammates. Oh, what was it? About 10 minutes to go, actually. I think and they were trying to build pressure, and he did a beautiful little grubber kick. Um, he was facing kind of towards the corner. He put a grubber kick through for his second row centre winger. And they got through, touching goal. But the lazy buggers on the inside of him, behind his back, were offside. So the Penrith got a penalty. 
booted it, end up going up the other end and, and scoring on their tries, I'm pretty sure, or at least keeping pressure on. And he turned around and he was just death stared. I think it was um, Francis Molo and um, one of the other inside forwards. And he just looked him down going, you motherfuckers. That was like, <laughs> I'm like, is this debut? And he's already staring down the guys on the inside because they're offside. And, um, yeah, I didn't actually watch this game, but I was keeping an eye on the score on my phone. And we all know Beatle, my little brother, supports Penrith. And I sent him a message. I can't remember what the score was at one point. What did I say? Yeah, I think I'm hey, you better not blow this or something. Yeah, you better not blow this, mate. Mm. Because by the looks of the score and how Cowboys are coming back, I thought there was a legitimate chance um, Cowboys could roll Penrith, considering that last week, what was the score for the Cowboys game? Owned. Uh, where is it? 42 to 16 over uh, Roosters beat them. So the fact that they've done pretty well against the current top of the table team is a good turnaround for them. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's good on them. And that um, um, showed again um, that he can control a game, his kicking, his running. Uh, oh man, he put two shots on in a row. One against who did he chop in half? One of the Fords, and then straight up, it was at Marker. Then it was an awesome shot, one on one, stopped the Ford in their tracks, and then the, he ran from Marker, smacked Cohen heads up under the ribs, and forced a knock on. He's you know what? Um, and he went Whoa, and then like pushed Hess out of the way. And you got a halfback pushing a second row. And you're yeah. like, Do you know what I like about Cleary? So. Whenever Tedesco runs, um, you feel like he could potentially get injured. Um, you know, how he quick feet. Yeah. He's got... I, I, every time I run, I reckon he's going to tear his ACL because he just, like, jams his foot in the ground, twists around and stuff like that. Um, obviously, Tom Trevojevic um, tears his hamstring every time he, you know, gets out of bed. Um, he's, got a, he's got a really good build for rugby league. But the way he runs, it's so natural and clean. He doesn't look like he's going to suffer many injuries on the run. Like, you know what I mean? He, he just... NRL physio right here on the show. No, it's it just like... There's yeah. certain players like Caelan Ponga, when he runs, he shoves his head into everything. Um, um, Tedesco, when he runs, like I said, looks like he's going to tear his ACL. Cleary just looks like an NRL naturally built player who who's got the natural physique to play in his position. Yeah. I don't know. It just it, it just it, it no, looks like he's, Yeah, this looks like he's not he's gonna be a, a player around for a long time who's not gonna um, sustain long term injuries for a long like Kieran Foran for example. Like oh, he he burst on the scene probably to, probably a little better than Cleary did body. actually. Yeah, but his body just ruined it. It doesn't look like Cleary's going to have that problem. So I really like that about Cleary. He's going to be in the game for a long time. And if he ever does I don't like injured, the idea that's around Origin time. Yeah, I just don't like the idea that he's a Penrith player. <laughs> 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 that's the we part can't I get don't all of like. them, man. We can't get all of them. <laughs> um, and with that, with that. Uh, 
swipe, we'll say. Uh, we'll finish <laughs> the show there, guys. So Thursday, we, we were having um, our interview for tomorrow night. has been pushed back a week. Um, our guest has said yes to too many things and um, needs at least one night off. So we're hoping to get them on uh, this time next week. So until then, bye. Hey, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.